Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Welcome everyone from your host, Federico Plantera, for another episode of the Digital Government Podcast. I am a journalist, sociologist and researcher, and today with me, I have a senior expert on smart governance, and that person is Christy Givilo. Welcome, Christy. Hello. Christy, today with you, we're going to address the topic of uh, maybe something that, I mean, definitely something that we have talked about before, but perhaps not from this angle. And uh, the topic is digital skills in many, many other podcast episodes and uh, blogs and articles and uh, reports even that we have talked about. Uh, we say that digital skills, or we read that digital skills are essential for the development of a full-formed uh, digital society. And that is like a fact, a given, let's say, an axiom, a maxim. But digital skills sometimes uh, are a bit of a foggy uh, formula, words-wise, to use. No? So before getting into the topic of what are the what are the digital skills that people need in society and also what governments can do to improve them uh, I would actually start from the very basics and uh, the question is what are actually digital skills uh, I think this is a really good question because uh, we all uh, if we talk about digital skills we think different ways like um, how do you services, cybersecurity, uh, do you need coding, uh, and so on. So uh, it depends on the target group and uh, also the person I'm talking about, about digital skills, how they see it. So uh, there are different digital skills uh, definitions for citizens, for governments, for CIOs, for teachers, and so on. So it depends, uh, depends on the situation. It depends on the situation and also, uh, yeah, as you said, like, what these people need these digital skills for, no? Um, if we were to maybe detach for a moment, let's say, from the from the use of a specific service, no? the fact that you need digital, digital skills to be able to access a certain uh, public service or like government service that is, uh, that you need in that moment, let's say, filling your tax returns, let's say. For the rest, what are the digital skills that people need in society at large? Because we are in any case in the so-called information age, no? So as being in the information age, then the technology is everywhere. Internet is uh, almost everywhere. Uh, we hope it would be everywhere. But uh, what are then these digital skills that in society at large people would need to mm, to fully participate, let's say, in the information society? Well, if I have to pick two digital skills, uh, I would... Even more than two. Okay. Uh, I think the first one is uh, how to search information. Uh, so this is the most important one. And the next topic, uh, of course, will be cybersecurity, because uh, this topic gets uh, uh, attention every day. And uh, we as citizens actually are not aware of our risks um, in, in this world. So cybersecurity is the second uh, second topic. But uh, you also mentioned government services, that the people do need skills to use the services. I would rather say that government services should be user-friendly, that you don't have to think how to use the services, you just use them like uh, banking or watching YouTube or, or Netflix because they are intuitive. Government services should be like that also. 
So essentially, um, we could also say that maybe the two, yeah, while the government or like governments in general or service providers would have to do perhaps maybe most of the UX user experience job, let's say, in making a service like accessible, then uh, those um, other types of digital skills that people need in society at large maybe like pertain indeed like a bit more to digital literacy, maybe, which is like indeed uh, selecting and scanning and selecting information and verifying information. And then second, also the cyber hygiene you know, aspect of it, uh, which is the, the day-to-day maintenance, let's say, that we can do of our own uh, behaviors on the internet. But then uh, if, we, mm, if we shift away from individual responsibility, let's say, and we go to the government side, in your opinion, mm, I mean, not just in Estonia, but also based, for example, on the countries that you have worked with or the examples that you've seen through the work of e-governance academy um, so what mm, how good of a job governments usually do in uh, designing services that are actually easy to access and use for uh, for citizens i think uh, all the government we've worked with, uh, they want to provide user-friendly services uh, for the citizens. But uh, this is a challenge because governments usually have a lot of services and they are already there. So it means that the services which are on paper, for example, they need to be redesigned uh, to be digital services and fully digital services. But there is a but to do that, uh, you need new skills and new roles, actually, to do that. The service designers, business analysts, IT lawyers, and so on. So uh, those are the roles or professions uh, were not taught uh, like five or ten years ago in your universities. So to have a good digital service, you need a good uh, team, skilled team, who will provide eventually a good digital service. So, um, well, for example, in Estonia, I think the perfect digital service is a tax refund. It's 30 seconds and that's it. But uh, this is from governmental view that um, uh, which services you should digitalize, uh, which services you should look first. And I would say from government point of view, if you want to uh, get taxes from uh, companies, from private persons, make the service uh, so easy to use that people will, will pay taxes. Uh, on the other hand, um, if they don't pay, pay taxes, government should have data to look at and understand who's not paying the taxes. So where do you get the data? Uh, how you analyze that? It means that you need also uh, understanding how di- data management in government works. Where is the data? Is it quality data? How can I use it? How can I visualize it? How can I make good decisions based on data? So data-related roles are also new to governments. Christy, you said something that I will pick up on that I think it's very, very interesting and that I definitely remember hearing uh, even even in Estonia, actually, you know, even in a, such a digital society like Estonia, which is the fact that uh, you said that governments also need to choose, let's say, and select which services to actually bring online no? and, to, and to digitalize. Well, there is also, mm, if we take Estonia as an example for a moment, uh, then one probably of the most famous uh, 
uh, talking points, let's say, about the digital society in Estonia is the fact that 99% of the public services are available online and that it used to, I mean, when I was at Estonia, for example, there used to be the, the saying that only three things cannot be done online. I think now there are two. I do not remember which are those two. Which one uh, we can now do online in Estonia? Uh, real estate. You can buy real estate, uh, friend, ah, real estate. because of the COVID times, uh, uh, the legislation was changed, but you can't get married or divorced online. So, <laughs> yes, Still. but 99% of the services of the provided by the government are online, provided by the government also at different administrative levels. For a normal citizen or a, a resident like me, it's, mm, it's impossible, essentially, to know the full catalog of the online services that there are in Estonia. This, uh, in a sense, does uh, applies not only to Estonia. In Estonia, let's say, we, we got to a point of pervasiveness, let's say, of the digitalization of public services where... If you think of something, of an interaction that you have to do with the government, it's very likely that that interaction can happen online. Which is not instead the same case with other countries, most other countries, I would say, that are going through this process of digitalizing their services. So maybe there is, uh, people might not know what are the services that are actually available online for them to interact with the government. So this raises simply the topic of awareness. No? What I am referring to is the fact that there is, there is definitely a need, let's say, also uh, for governments themselves to raise people's awareness of the digital state in the sense of its existence, what it can provide, what are the services that are available. How did that go in Estonia, mm, do we have any experiences or like lessons learned or like uh, past ventures, let's say, that we could look at and that we could mention? I would say maybe like two or three so that we can also give a bit more of this uh, view that pertains to different sectors, maybe even like where services could be available or digital tools could be used. Mm -hmm. uh at the beginning of Estonian digital transformation, we did open a state portal uh, almost at, at the uh, first thing. So all the information uh, was available in one place about the services, but um, <clears throat> it was only information. In in ideal world, uh, I would say that the services government provides you will be seamless uh, or proactive. It means that government knows who you are, what kind of a benefits you can get, uh, where you have to and when to apply for something, and government actually turns to you. But uh, the first point uh, always uh, should be that uh, there's information available in one place about uh, different services. But this could also be a, a little bit of a problem. For example, uh, our capital Tallinn had more than 500 services about uh, 10 or 15 years ago. So how will you find that service that actually you need and you actually don't know that you need the service or can you can use it or maybe you can get some benefits so proactive services is the way governments could go should go but it means that the government has data they can base those proactive services on to offer to to citizens uh, but uh, anyway if government has all the services is one place. You actually also need to communicate the services that there is a one place. And um, uh, there are a lot of um, good initiatives in Estonia, 
to uh, upgrade the citizens' digital skills and also to uh, raise awareness about services and the digital world. And for example, uh, 20 years ago, when Estonia started its digital transformation, uh, government took a lead on uh, providing internet connection to all over the country and to schools and uh, teaching uh, our school teachers uh, about digital world. But private sector took a lead uh, in um, upskilling uh, Estonian citizens. So um, look at World Foundation uh, uh, was established uh, to provide uh, digital skills trainings for Estonians. And Look at World Foundation was actually an initiative uh, from Estonian private sector to help Estonian government with our digital transformation. And uh, during the 15 years, Look at World Foundation had a lot of trainings and actually two really big digital upskilling trainings where 10% of Estonian population got some kind of a, a digital uh, uh, training about how to use computers, how to use e-services, how to use uh, ID card, uh, cybersecurity uh, campaigns. So um, I, I think that it is really important if we talk about digitalization and uh, uh, citizens' uh, digital uh, skills to to have cooperation projects with private sector and public sector. Okay, you introduced the topic of the private sector. I mean, you did already like when it, when it came to the taxes. But in this case, though, there is another point that comes up to my mind regarding the public-private sector uh, digital services, let's say, uh, interaction, co-creation, collaboration, etc. One, and it's the fact that uh, in many occasions when, for example, we are, uh, like we are hosting on this podcast, uh, people who maybe come from the private sector or who look at private sector innovation in the way of accessing and using services, let's say, as a, uh, as a reference point for the government or for governments to design services like in a similar way. Um, then uh, sometimes I get the question, uh, at least it comes up to my mind, that yes, but people m- might develop uh, digital skills and might develop also expectations towards the government based on the way that they use these services that are provided from private sector companies. No? But the fact that they are using uh, these services in a certain way provided by private sector companies does not necessarily mean that they then uh, develop the digital skills that are necessary to use other more necessary services, like, for example, those provided by the government or a municipality, right? So, Christy, how do we... First of all, do you think it makes sense in this thing and this thought? And then second, how do we reconcile a little bit this maybe, like, asymmetry that there is between the digital skills that people develop to use, Netflix, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and uh, those that instead they need to use to access the tax reports, uh, apply for childcare benefits or all like that? Uh, I think the government services also should look like Netflix and YouTube and so on. So easy to use, user-friendly and so on. So you, uh, for government services, you can also use service design tools to make them uh, user-friendly and intuitive. So uh, why not? 
Why do government services have to be complicated? In Estonia, there's just one way that you have to, uh, uh, one not obstacle, but you have to log in using ID card or mobile ID. Otherwise, it's just um, tax service is a perfect one. Uh, just uh, have to log in and uh, actually you can see intuitively what you have to do next. So it's uh, all about uh, service design and service design theory, who's your user, how you use it, um, usability, UX, UI, uh, accessibility, all the modern world words, uh, uh, private sector services use. You should also use them in uh, building uh, government services, digital services. And something that we should be mindful of definitely when building like a government services is also the fact that not everyone and not all uh, generations, for example, if we want to take like the age continuum, uh, are mm, used not just the mm, not just the actually accessing, but even to the existence of certain services, you know, like online and to do with things digitally in a certain way, which means that definitely there is like some sort of a pressure on people from the uh, service development side into not just developing services that are easy to use, but also in a way, something that we were mentioning before was the topic of awareness, no? So uh, how do you mm, increase not just the awareness, but also the skills, let's say, in people, in society, from the government side to use digital services more and better. For example, there comes to my mind the Digirigi Academia example. Uh, what was about that in Estonia? And uh, do we have similar things or can we see similar things also in other countries, for example? Uh, yes, uh, we can. We do see uh, similar things, but uh, starting from Digi uh, Digirigi Academia, um, to build uh, services uh, in our new, rapidly changing technological world, you need, need new skills in public sector. And uh, those skills are uh, the ones you actually didn't learn in school or, or universities. And uh, to build cyber-secure, user-centric public services uh, that are, ac are accessible for all. You need uh, cybersecurity experts in your ID department. You s need a public service design team. Uh, you need actually lawyers who understand IT area, business analysts, uh, usability designers. And um, uh, in Estonia, we decided that we will open an academy uh, what is ac accessible to all so uh, everybody can learn. And the uh, Digirig Academia or Digital Governance Academy uh, was opened a year ago and there are a lot of courses there uh, that uh, actually every Estonian citizen can access and learn. Uh, talking about all the topics I, I just um, mentioned, but the courses are designed for public services. This is also uh, one important thing that we also have a one course teaching how to make e-learning courses because e-learning is not uh, about putting PowerPoints and, or PDF files uh, online. Uh, so people... Oh, this is very meta. <laughs> <laughs> An e-course to make an e-learning course on how to do e-learning. Uh, well, we want actually all the public uh, service uh, providers or services or ministries to... to uh, 
make more e-learning courses because e-learning is ac- accessible for many people. Be- uh, classroom trainings just accessible to few. So e-learning uh, has been in our world for for many many years. A lot of e-learning platforms, Coursera, LinkedIn Learning, so on. But uh, thanks to COVID, actually, uh, the e-learning um, became for or some time of a period the only option actually to learn some new skills. So yes, e-learning, but e-learning should be all also designed. It's a, like a service design. Who is your client and what your client wants to know, and how may, many. How many minutes you can uh, learn in a week? Actually, the modern theory says that you have only 24 minutes uh, in a week for learning. In a week? Yes. Oh, university me would be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> university us would be so disappointed. No, but um, yeah, okay, okay. This is a um, yeah. This is very interesting. Also, for another uh, point, which would be. Actually, I think my last question to wrap up this episode, and this is also based on something else that we've seen in um, in reports or like in uh, a generational, let's say, you know, matter rather about like accessing and using public services. Uh, for example, before I was hinting at the fact that the uh, mm, across generations in society, and then uh, mm, the levels, let's say, of awareness and uh, development and maturity, even up to a certain extent, of digital skills. Um, in a sense, is inversely proportional to age, meaning that the younger, the youngest, usually tend to have the most digital skills, let's say, or are the most digital skilled. Uh, and then the more you progress on the age continuum, let's say, like on the age group line, then uh, the uh, the elderly or like the oldest ones in society tend to be obviously the older ones and then the oldest ones then tend to be those with the lowest levels of digital skills this is kind of counterintuitive i mean it's not like uh rocket science technology like uh started being so relevant and so pervasive in our lives relatively recently uh but then the question is that definitely obviously older people like the older generations and i'm I'm not just talking about the elderly. I'm also just talking about uh, generations that were not digital by default, which are most people on this planet today, most probably. And uh, and I would say at least the majority. And then uh, the question to that would be, how do we increase awareness and skills on the digital world and on using digital tools among adults in society? Because that, I remember, was a pretty common question uh, that even like foreign delegations, for example, were asking when coming to Estonia, when they were like, oh, but like, how did you manage to teach, uh, yeah, using like this word, like teach uh, the um, the elderly or like everyone in society to start using public services? Oh, like, no, it would be super hard to do that. I don't know, like in Italy or like in south of Italy where I'm from uh, with, the, with the older generations, which also carries other problems let's say with it for example it carries the problem of the fact that if in the public administration of a certain country then the majority of its workforce is from a certain generation that is not digital by default and then is also like not particularly prone or willing to uh restart let's say this like relearning and redesigning process 
in order to integrate digital tools, then that definitely poses a problem for the general development of a digital society from the government perspective. So how do we work on that, on this age topic? As you mentioned, uh, our youngsters are, are born uh, the phones or tablets in their hand and they are extremely good uh, in searching information and learning because if young people want to learn something, they just uh, uh, watch a two-minute video on YouTube or somewhere else so they will uh, learn a new skill about cooking on, or anything. But if we talk about ad adults, um, uh, you're correct. Uh, the, um, the theory says that if you're 40 plus, it will be much harder to engage new technologies and you're not, not so keen uh, to... Um, uh, use new tools. It's uh, it's in our nature, but um, it, uh, for adults, you need motivation. Uh, so if you are motivated, for example, to improve your cooking skills and you want to learn more, you can use internet to access uh, recipes or or uh, Gordon Ramsay videos. Uh, so you need actually digital skills. If we look at the government side. Um, there should be a, a help desk and support uh, the public sector officials to start using in new devices or systems and uh, training possibilities or learning possibilities. And there are endless like classroom trainings or self-past learning or short training videos or one-to-one -one consultation or mentoring. So uh, to understand what your public officials need to to start using their new inner system. It's like a service design. What do you need? What are obstacles? Is there maybe a bad internet connection or maybe it doesn't do computer work or maybe it just need one question. Who can ask that question? What this button does? So um, it's about supporting the officials. Supporting the officials to not only do their job in a different way, but also then to uh improve the way that uh, essentially everyone citizens and residents can actually uh access the government and uh, interact with it and uh, use the public services christian christy kivilo senior expert on smart governance here at the governance academy very nice to talk to you today thank you Frederico. and very nice also that all of you listeners tuned in again to this episode of the digital government podcast from your host federico plantera that is it for today and uh, See you at the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.